I think programs like that should, are, should be beneficial but not foundational. I think the foundational program for discipleship is life. Welcome everyone to episode 13 of the Lead Forward podcast. This is Dave Funk, your host. Today's episode is a throwback to 2012. It's a breakout session from the district conference of the BC Yukon District of the PAOC, and it was led by Brett Donald. Brett is a church planter in Vancouver, BC at a church called City Lights, and uh, Brett's also a good friend. We went to college together and uh, prayed together and, and strategized together and talked ministry together, and it's been awesome to see what Brett has done in ministry through City Lights and, and other areas where he's made a big impact. Now, he comes from church planting uh, and ministry in general from a bit of a different Different angle in a world where attractional mega churches get a lot of attention. Brett takes a little bit of a different approach to discipleship, and honestly, probably a more biblical approach that leads to more and lasting real life change in people. Uh, this is only a portion of a longer talk, which included discussion with the attendees of the session. But it was quite long, and I thought this section of the talk would be most helpful for the context of this podcast. It will encourage you, but it will really challenge your own paradigm for what it means to faithfully disciple people into God. God's kingdom, and hopefully it'll give you something to practically work on through which you'll see more fruit in your own ministry. So enjoy this session with Brett Donald. I'll share a little bit about myself, and then I'd like to get some feedback on what you're hoping to get out of today, why why you're here, why did you come, and we will jump in. So as introduced, my name is Brett, I am planting a church, I grew up in a small town in Gibsons, I responded to God's love and chose to follow him at a Pentecostal youth camp, and never had any encounters really with... I actually wasn't a part of a Payok church until I became a pastor at one. So my uh, my time growing up through my young years was with diverse um, denominations and experiences of church. I'm married to Natalie just over five years. About a month ago, we had a, a baby boy, which is great. Matthias excited about that. And I basically did youth ministry for 10 years leading up to becoming a church planter, most of which was at Living Waters in Fort Langley. I was there as a youth pastor, then associate pastor for about seven years throughout my time at Summit and then Regent. So that's a bit about me. I uh, love Starbucks. And my favorite drink would be, it's a, it's a church planner's fancy drink, really. So it's cheap. It's like a cheap latte. So cafe misto with some toffee nut shots. So they give you the toffee nut shots for free if you got the card. Then I do it soy because I'm lactose intolerant. They give that for free as well. So it's like two fifty, but it's a fancy fancy drink. So if, you, if, you, if that means anything to you, some of you are like, misto what? But... Anyway, so that is a bit of about me. I do have a strong conviction in my how I lead in the last couple of years. What it means for me to be a pastor has completely changed. Many of my convictions and my training going through seven years of theological and pastoral training, uh, it's been adjusted and changed. And so I'm really excited about what God's doing in my life, in the life of my family, and where we're headed. So just before we dive in and I start blabbing about some stuff... Could a few of you be courageous and share what, why are you here? What were you hoping to get out of today? What, would you, what were you hoping would maybe be addressed? I was hoping to get a Starbucks drink. A Starbucks drink? Yep. I do not have budget for that. I was going to say I was hoping but... to get a Starbucks drink. Just kidding. Yeah, God bless you in that, though. <laughs> 
I just really see a need for more discipleship in the church, um, that model. Um, I just see that we're kind of doing things like a, more the come to us rather than us going to them and walking yeah. life with them. And so I was just hoping to kind of pick up on some stuff I can take back and release to our lay people. And, okay, perfect. Yeah. Thank you. Um, just hoping to get some uh, info on how to uh, transition those that we are discipling into disciple makers. You know, it's so easy when um, you're being discipled yourself or you're discipling somebody else. Yeah. And they just, you know, you, you have a tendency to just kind of they to, to stay with them or then to just become the members sure. of the church. That just kind of, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Multiplication. Thank you. Beautiful. Okay. Well, that's good. We will we'll hit those things, and if if not if it's not clear, then at the end you could be like, "But that made no sense. It was not clear." So, can you answer my question, and then we'll we'll talk about it then. Uh, one of my primary convictions really is that every Christian is to be a missionary. I remember growing up in the church as a little kid. I was freaked out about what it meant to be a missionary. I remember people saying, Brett, you need to respond and submit your life to Jesus. And then I was really scared about that, even as a young child. Because I said, if I actually submit my life to Jesus, he will probably send me to Africa to be a missionary. And then in Africa, I probably won't have a place to live and I'll be eating bugs. And I'm already scared of bugs. And I don't want to do that. And so I don't want to go. And, and I always had that mentality that being a missionary was someone who was sent somewhere out there and I didn't necessarily want to go out there and so my perspective has changed a lot and lifestyles changed a lot and we'll share a bit of how that's been going in that journey for me so first I'm talk about what is a disciple and then based upon that, understanding what is a disciple, what does it mean to make, make a disciple? And, uh, and then we'll go into some stories and practical stuff as we go along. So a few observations. We can see that Jesus invited people to follow him, to become his disciples. So many rabbis or philosophers of the times, disciples would go and to them and say, can I be your disciple? Jesus invites. A commitment to follow Jesus is a commitment to his person, not just his teachings. And it's, it's a commitment to him personally. He is not just teacher, but he's Lord. And so there's a submission to him. And also that it's an invitation to participate in his work. A disciple, it really comes from the word to learn. So what is a disciple? You could say a disciple is a learner, a follower, a pupil. But what we see with Jesus is so much more than just getting knowledge, but it's committing to follow him in his work and commit to him as a person. So I got, and if you got the handout, if you don't got the handout, then if you guys are handing them out, and that might not be handy to you, but if you want to take notes or whatever, then feel free. But Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says, If anyone would come and follow me, he must deny himself, Take up his cross, right? And follow me. So there's a self-denial and a submission to Jesus to become a disciple. And so the definition I like to use, a simple way of explaining is we disciple people. I say a disciple is one who is submitting their whole life to Jesus. A disciple is one who's submitting their whole life to Jesus. So as we talk about being disciples who make disciples, that's my mentality. I'm thinking a disciple is one who's submitting their whole life to Jesus. So off of that understanding, what does it look like for us to make disciples? And I want to, if you have your Bible, if you want to open to John 1, your Bible or iPhone or iPad or whatever else for the next generation here. John 1, 35. And... I was going to have a discussion around this, but for sake of time, I will read it and 
we can look. But please do open and read along. John 1, 35. And there's really probably a lot of passages we could choose in terms of looking at how Jesus makes disciples or what we can learn from Jesus with discipleship. But there's an aspect of this one that, as I've been studying, just stood out and I wanted to look at this. So Jesus, it says, The next day John was staying with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and they saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and follow Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, So you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. So, with, out of that passage, what, what stood out to you, or what you think we could learn about discipleship? Did any phrase, anything stand out in terms of how discipleship, what Jesus, how Jesus invited people, what discipleship looked like with Jesus? Come and see. Come and see. Yeah, anything else? Follow me, okay? Good, anything else? Pardon? An invitation. An invitation. Yeah? Um, John pointed out that he was the Lamb of God, not he, this guy has been teaching the things. Like, this is who this is, and follow Okay, Jesus is the Lamb of God, John points out. Not just a good teacher. That's good. Yeah, something else that's interesting is that the people who start to follow Jesus, they go and invite other people to follow Jesus. So you see, Jesus goes, come and see, and then what do we see repeated? Right? He goes out, we found Jesus come and see. There's an invitation to come and share life, to come and experience. Not just hear teaching, but to experience. Jesus says, come and stay with me. Right? And this is what we see through Jesus' life and ministry. Come follow me, stay with me, eat with me, celebrate with me, serve with me, live life with me. Now, if we were to talk about disciples making disciples, we couldn't do that without looking at the Great Commission. So I also want to look at that. Matthew 28 Jesus says, and we all know this, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What stands out there in terms of discipleship? How do, you, how do we make a disciple? So if a disciple is one whose whole life is submitted to Jesus, and we see a bit of what Jesus does with making disciples, what does the Great Commission tell us about making disciples? What's involved? Yeah. Baptize and teach to obey. Okay. Baptize and teach to obey. That's good. So baptism, so, there's a th- so one, discipleship, go and make disciples of all nations. So Jesus is expecting that there's going to be a multiplication that's going to occur. And it's, it's discipleship of all nations. So taking people who are not followers to becoming followers. At some point in this process, there's going to be baptism, right? 
So I come to a point where I'm going to respond to become a follower of Jesus and die to myself and rise in Christ and accept a new identity, baptized in the name of Father. So there's a new identity that's taking place. And then Jesus says, teach them to observe or teach to obey. Now what's interesting as I've been thinking through this is that there's a strong distinction here. Teach and teach to obey. Now I don't know about you, and maybe it's just maybe just me, maybe my 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 Berkman's the only one that says knowledge specialist or whatever, but often when I think about discipleship, I think about teach. So I don't know how many of you have designed discipleship programs, gone through discipleship courses, think of teach. A transferring of content, knowledge, read this book, go through this, we'll teach these subjects. Right? Teach. But Jesus says, teach to obey. Give me a strong distinction between teaching and teaching to obey. So I can, so we can say, okay, I'm going to teach you to about painting today. So in painting, you get this, and you do this, and you do this. But if I was to be a good teacher to teach you how to paint, what would I do? Come and come and paint with me. Or driving. I could read a book about driving. That's good. I could be taught about driving. How would I be, what about teach to obey the rules of driving though? What if I was going to have a good teacher to teach me how to drive? I would go driving with them. I teach to obey. So here we see that te- you know, teaching could happen in, in a place like this from a podcast. But teaching to obey, um, that can happen so much more in life. And this is what we see with Jesus. Come and see. It's not just in a classroom. It's not just in a, a building like this. It's not just content or teaching. But it is, it is a sharing of life. It's an experience. It's teaching how to obey the commands of Jesus. And so if... It makes sense then if a disciple is one who's submitting their whole life to Jesus, then making a disciple is teaching someone what it looks like to submit their whole life to follow Jesus. And so this has been big for me. Okay, I was a youth pastor for many years, like I said. Uh, for, I became a youth pastor when I was 18. I didn't go to Bible college. I went to Bible college after I first became a youth pastor. All these teenagers came to Jesus, and I, this is my. I'm a. I was like raised up in the church, content to the church, and so it was like, what do you do when someone wants to respond to Jesus? You get them to say a prayer. <clears throat> so all the time, you students are saying these prayers. Okay, now now you're a Christian. And at some point, the elders of the church sat me down. They said, Brett, you have too many students coming to Jesus, and they need to be discipled. Which means what? Spiritual growth. It means, you know, teaching. So you need to start a Bible study for all these teenagers to teach them. And I wasn't super excited about doing that because going to the high schools and all these other things was, seemed like way more fun. The big, the big gathering with all these students flooding in and friends and people were spying at the altar. I was like, that seemed way more fun than having to like, organize them all the Bible study. But I started to do that. Okay, we're going to do, do Bible study. And what I experienced was that actually a lot of these, a lot of these teenagers walked away. Uh, so I went to, went to Bible college, started at Living Waters uh, when I was first at Summit. And I said, okay, you know what? has a strong conviction we want to, want to make disciples I don't want teenagers to just walk away post high school right which is which we see the stats the stats so I say so okay what do teenagers need to know what do they need to know 
And so then I designed in a two-year time frame that any student who was a participant in our youth ministry for two years would get all the basics. And so I created a discipleship program for with it. So they'd go with, okay, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, and do this. And all the talks from, from every Tuesday night was designed and thought through. Okay, so if they stay for two years, this is what we're going to go through. We're going to put them through this two years of content. They're going to hit this, and they're going to hit this. We're going to do breakouts on, on prayer and spiritual disciplines and um, how God, you know, how God calls us and what it looks like to have healthy relationships and the authority of scripture so that if they were with us for two years and they graduated, they would know. And uh, looking back on all the experience, and that, I, so I thought, you know what, I, I still thought it was great, great planning and strategic thinking and great content. And uh, now, though, I go, you know what, thinking through this, teach to obey versus teaching, I go, you know what, I put a lot more effort into, I put less effort into having a great strategy for teaching prayer, and I would put more effort into making sure that every teenager who wanted to was praying with adults who were discipling them. You can teach prayer from a pulpit, but to teach how to pray, how to observe Jesus' command to pray, a great teacher would then come and pray with me which is what we see with Jesus. Come and see. So class, disciples aren't just made in, in classrooms. They're made in life. Uh, and we, I live in Burnaby, and BCIT, the BC's Technical Institute, is just down the street. We have different people connecting with us from BCIT. So electro, like electrician is connected with our church plant, non-Christian guy, connecting in. So I asked him, what does it look like for schooling with you? Ryan, he goes, well, I go to school for six weeks. The tradespeople, they don't really like that, like uh, six weeks of brutality in a class. But then, then for six months I go and I follow an electrician around all day long. I work, I work with this guy, I spend time with this guy, eat with this guy, he shows me how to do it all. I mean, I, I'm loving it, loving it. But then I got to go back to school soon and do the six weeks again. And as I thought through this, I thought, you know what, for me, I've been convicted that I've, as a pastor, as a leader, and what it looked like to make disciples, operated, operated more like a professor with students and less like a tradesperson with apprentices. But with Jesus, what we've seen in both his modeling and his teaching is, is more like tradesperson apprenticeship. Come and follow me around. Come and share life with me. Come and, and submit your life to me. And so I've been convicted of this, that it's, a discipleship is more than a transfer of knowledge, but it's a modeling of life. It's a both end. And looking back on my life, I go, you know what? I heard a lot of sermons, but a man named Earl changed my life. And I was, when I was graduating high school, I, uh, this guy Earl became a mentor to me. And for the first time, he, like, he, I, looking back, I'm going, who, other than like, my parents' friends or whatever, as a kid, who invited me, like an adult, into their life? Earl, that was that. I said, and, he, and he said, you know what, anytime you want, you call me. So I was like, okay. So sometimes I call him. And then he said, you know what, and then he, took, he, he prayed with me. Earl taught me to pray. And then he gave, me, he gave me books on prayer. He taught me about spiritual disciplines. We'd fast together. I went and hung out with his kids. Ate meals. Learned what it was like to have a home and be hospitable. What it was like to be a good dad that... You know, put the, serve the kids well. I prayed with his kids with him. Saw that. I said, you know, and that was like a six-month period, and then I moved. I moved. Earl, I'm like, out of all of my experience of church, uh, good experiences, good pastors who really cared for me, 
uh, I'm like, I learned a lot about discipleship from Earl. I just didn't realize it at the moment that I should have been following his example and leading in that more and more. So, what is a disciple? A disciple is one who's submitting their whole life to Jesus. How do we make disciples then? Teach people what it looks like to submit their whole lives to Jesus. Which means that to teach, teach to obey, teach to observe. This is how you follow Jesus. This is how you obey. This is how you submit your life. Which then best happens in, whole, in my life. How do I learn how to, give, to submit my life to Jesus? By sharing life with someone else who's submitting their life to Jesus. And so this, you know, discipleship doesn't just occur in teaching of life, but it occurs in the sharing of life. And that, is, that has changed everything for me as a Christian leader and a pastor. That's changed Natalie and I's world. And this is empowering. Because if discipleship has to be, you know, have to know all the answers or be a great teacher, then a lot of Christians are, are handcuffed with that. Now, but if discipleship is follow Jesus with your whole life and share, share life with others so they can learn, that's scary. But we can all do that. Follow Jesus with your whole life and just bring others into it with intentionality and purpose. So yes, you need to know the Bible. There needs to be teaching that, that needs to occur. But every Christian then can be empowered to make disciples if, if discipleship is occurring like that in the, in the sharing of everyday life. And so I think that we should have programs like Alpha say, right? So if right now we say, how are disciples made in our churches? What are the programs that we run? Alpha would probably pop up. We ran Alpha. It was great. We had friends come to Alpha, so I'm not bashing our programs. I think programs like that should, are, should be beneficial but not foundational. I think the foundational program for discipleship is life. It should be life. So uh, as I'm right now looking through what it looked like to make disciples, um, well, maybe before I jump into that, just some examples and stories of my journey. But uh, another note to make would be that disciples make disciples. Right? So Jesus calls disciples. Those disciples are making disciples. In the Great Commission, we see this. Here's you disciples, go and make disciples. And it's going to go over all the world. So there's this expectation that a core aspect of this being a disciple is making disciples. Right? So it's multiplication. Which then means that every single Christian is, needs to obey the Great Commission. Which we go, well, yes, we probably, we'd all go, yes, I agree with that. Every Christian needs to. So then, what I've been challenged with as I've been chatting with Christians, even Christians within our church plant working through this, going, okay, so who, who are you discipling? Like, who are the disciples you're making right now? And the scary thing is that often... Pastors, devoted Christians, committed church plant members don't really know what to say. Oh, I don't, I don't know. Who am I discipling right now? Well, I'm, I serve in this ministry. I teach this class. I'm doing this. But it's so much more... We need to be training Christians, not just to run the church, but to be the church, right? I love, Reggie was just like tooting my horn all night last night. I was just loving it. And, 
And really, that's, that's what it's about. It's about us, the people of God, on the mission of God, right? Being disciples who make disciples in everyday life. And if we would say that a core aspect of what it means to be the church, like most of our churches, we say, what's the, what's the mission of your church? We would, right? We would go, okay, it's making disciples. That's what we're about. And so here's the thing that really struck me, though, is that if we're saying we're really making disciples, that's what we're about, but if the people of our church aren't making disciples, or the pastors of our churches aren't making disciples, like I'm talking in a specific concrete way, like we could say, these are the people that I am sharing life with to show them what it looks like to submit their lives to Jesus as they look at my life learning to submit my life to Jesus. Like I can name people that I intentionally share life with. If the pastors of our churches and the people of our churches can't do that, but our church is all about making disciples, then we are missing something because the church is the people. Right? The people are the church. And so if the church is about making disciples, then us, the people, need to actually be making disciples. Not in an abstract way like, well, I bring my friend to this program, which is, say, hear me, what I'm not saying is ditch all the programs, never do Alpha or anything like that. But it's got to be so much more than just teaching. It's got to be in the sharing of life. Also, uh, like a misconception with discipleship often is that we go evangelism is this, discipleship is this. And so I'm about evangelism, not discipleship. So I've said that in my life. I'm about evangelism, not discipleship. Discipleship is like, what's discipleship? Spiritual growth. Bible study, program, read this book, go through these things, right? Spiritual growth. But Jesus says, go and make disciples. Uh, like he's talking about people who aren't followers becoming followers. So the process of discipleship, discipleship is beginning before I even am a disciple, right? He's going to make disciples. And uh, if, well, I guess thinking about this, if discipleship is teaching, oh, okay, on your handout, you got the cross, right? This whiteboard's sitting here, maybe we'll use it at some point, but there, there's the cross. And so often, actually I'll do it right now. And so this is what, how I grew up thinking, and maybe you could relate to this. Do you go, okay, there's evangelism, Okay, and I'll just put D for discipleship. So before evangelism, then there's this conversion, then there's discipleship. Right? What I've realized is that really we could say this if discipleship is teaching someone what it looks like to submit their life to Jesus, and Jesus says, Go and make disciples, like people who are not followers becoming followers, then really the process of discipleship is starting before the cross. Like I can learn what it looks like to be a driver before I'm actually a driver. Right? And so the people can learn what it looks like to submit their life to Jesus before they actually submit their life to Jesus. And then evangelism, we could even say evangelism is, is proclaiming the good news, teaching, the, like sharing the gospel. And really, even after I become a Christian, I need to hear the gospel. Right? I'm still being sanctified. I'm still in the process. I still need that. I'm still, I'm still insecure trying to prove myself, and I need someone to say, hey, Brett, Jesus proved it all. You have nothing to prove. Remember, and then share the gospel with me. I still need that. I have guys who do that all the time with me in our church plant. Disciple, how they disciple me. And so I think we need to break down this barrier that says, hey, I'm about, I'm about evangelism, not, not discipleship. And discipleship is something like this, uh, like just a Bible study or growth, like more knowledge, content, programs. Discipleship is about it happening in life. And that occurs before even someone becomes a follower of Jesus. So um, this guy, I'm coming, I'll call him Tom. 
Tom works at Starbucks. So those, like, so you're like, I, I thought we're talking about Starbucks in the, in the title. Okay, here we go. So, so this guy Tom, he works at Starbucks. Starbucks opens up right across the street from the church building that our church operates out of. So we made a decision. We start going to Starbucks all the time. So if we're gonna have meetings for a while, we didn't have internet, so we had to go to Starbucks for internet. So we go to this Starbucks. We go to the Starbucks. We start having interactions at Starbucks. Going, you know what? Here I am. I'm a missionary sent to this city. And so um, God, I'm sure, is pursuing people. And so we get to know this guy, Tom. Start chatting with him. We start seeing, man, there's a whole bunch of you that are from this building over here. What's up with that? Or what? You all moved here. And we start talking, talking, talking. After a few months, ends up, we're having, it's the holidays. So this is just over a year ago. And uh, I ask him, what are you, hey, what are you doing for New Year's? I don't, I don't have anything, I don't have any plans yet. And so I was like, uh, want to come to my house for New Year's? So first thing that changed in Ellie and I's life, celebrations. Before, we celebrated with all of our friends, the friends that we wanted to have at our celebrations. Now, generally, every celebration we have is half non-Christians, half Christians. A whole bunch of our friends from our old life aren't even there, which is hard. Because we're inviting new friends from our building and people we've met in the city to our celebrations. So Tom, so Tom comes. And at the celebration, so Tom, this is his first thing. So Tom shows up and he's nervous and he ends up having a good time. From there, we begin this journey over the past year. So he's hanging out with us, invites us into his home. He has us over to his house for dinner. And we start hanging out, going for coffees with different people from our group. So saying, man, you guys, you guys are serving a lot. You're serving each other. Our friends move. We all help each other move. Friends need money. He says, he knows. Okay, I, I, met, I met Tim on your team, unemployed. And I, he told me, you guys all gave him money. But I know you guys don't even have money. Like you, your church, our church plant team was young. Like half of us are employed at one time or whatever, trying to like scrape by, right? And he starts watching this. And he watches his journey. Now we fast forward and, uh, and Tom is on a Bible reading plan. He's reading through the Bible. He went through Alpha. He's having discussions with us. Now he's meeting weekly, having meals. He's come to all of our birthdays. We've celebrated his birthday. He's come to all these parties with us, hung out with us, lived life with us, shared life with us. Come and see. What's happening is that Tom... So I actually met with him about um, maybe a month ago now. And he goes, okay, your group is way different than any other group I've ever met before. How do I get in your group? And I said, uh, you're, already in the, you're already in our group. You're already in our group, Tom. You hang out with us. You're at all our parties. You do everything that we do. No, no, no. But I, like, you know, like, I'm like, in, in, I'm like in the group, right? <laughs> I'm like, our group is a church, Tom. So if you, want to, if you want to join our group, you join the church, which means you choose to follow Jesus. I, 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 I read the Bible, think about these things, talk with these things. We go, in this, we go into this whole talk, right? And, uh, and so he goes, okay. It comes up and I'm like, so are you saying you want to follow Jesus? Yeah, I think so. But I, I, want, like, I, want, I want in. He goes, I, like, I, the, the acceptance, the this, the serving, the community, like everything that I, I see, I see. Because he shared life with us. I want Long before the cross, he's being discipled. Here's how we celebrate. Here's how we give. Here's how we serve. Here's how we eat. Here's how we welcome. Here's how we open our homes. Here's how we read the Bible. Here's how we walk through struggles in life. 
here's how we support one. Like, he's seeing what it looks like to try and live a life of your, of your whole life submitted to Jesus. Now, Tom is a, is a homosexual. And so we then went into a talk on the authority of Scripture and Christian worldview, and I had to walk through that where I try to understand where he's coming from, what he understands, if he wanted to become a Christian. At the end of that talk then, um, he said, okay, I think I understand more what you're saying, and I'll continue to walk the journey. So uh, Tom didn't, you know, become a Christian, didn't pray the prayer, not that I do the prayer thing anymore <clears throat> with people, but, um, but he's walking the journey. Another uh, person that's in our group, we'll call her Julie. Uh, Julie grew up missionary, missionary kid, follower of Jesus, walked away, ran from God, gets connected with our community, and all this baggage, all this stuff going on, and we start sharing life together. And she's walking out this journey with us, and, and also we actually start, like, by surprise, are learning things, like sin issues and all this stuff, because we're together all the time, or, like, and we all live, well, we all, we actually live in the same vicinity, so we intentionally, our church plant team actually all intentionally moved into similar neighborhoods, and so, like, um, Natalie and I moved into, a, a uh, like, a strata high-rise with two low-rise apartments connected, and there's lots of open doors there, so another couple moved into that same strata with us, and these other girls moved in, and they moved in across the street and another couple down the street and another guy down across the street and another guy's up the street and then so we all go to like the same coffee shops and the same restaurants and the same we'll even, we'll even talk and be like hey what dentist do you go to I mean I'll go to the same dentist as you just any opportunity that we can just double up right so that it's maybe more more Tom so we go like hey I see the group right any opportunity for that uh, um, what was I saying before that oh Julie so Julie's in our life in our neighborhood like ever like we and so because of that we've actually learned things as we walk down the street see her and go oh well okay this disconnect like we learn about her life because we're sharing life so we get to walk through this and she's been she's just going I I love this like I'm She's being changed because of a sharing of life that's happening in discipleship. And um, I wish she could be here today just to share from her own perspective because I can't go into the details of everything that's going on there. But what we're seeing is that in community and in the sharing of life, disciples are made. Disciples aren't made in isolation. It's not just me going through a Bible reading plan or reading a book on my own and we're having a worksheet. It's in the sharing of life. It's in community that I see my sin. It's in community that, that the gospel is spoken to me. It's in community that I can then serve. I can respond. It's in community that I can receive love and give love. I can be humbled and confronted. Repent and be restored. And so then we actually need to build community. And so how, how do we do this intentionally within our churches? Right? So if it's about making disciples in everyday life, for the whole life submitting to Jesus, and every, everyone can do it, then how do, we, how do we equip? How do we organize? How do we help people do this so that our, our program, structures, organization reflects that we want everyone to be a disciple that makes disciples? And so uh, what we've begun to try do is we're calling gospel DNA groups. So it's not a cool name, but DNA stands for Discipleship, Nurture, Accountability. And so how do I have gospel-centered discipleship and bring care and nurturing with, through the lens of the gospel and have a gospel-centered accountability? And so groups of three, sometimes four, but three guys or girls. And so in my group, i got two guys, and we meet every week. <clears throat> so this is now what it looks like more for discipleship. These guys are the guys that I'm discipling, and they disciple me. Because it's mutual. They're, they are showing me this is what it looks like to submit your life to Jesus and live a life submitted and I'm doing the same. Every week we, every week we meet at a Starbucks. 
We know a whole bunch of the employees at Starbucks. One of them last week was like, hey, you're the first customer that ever asked me how I'm doing. And uh, so he remembered that, so now he knows who I am, and we talk every time. But we meet there, we talk through things. Now with these guys, this is what it looks so discipleship before is like this. I ran a program, I ran a discipleship program, I had a teaching plan, and certain, uh, certain people that were struggling, I, like I met them for coffee. Right? How you doing? Or maybe like try to get them on accountability programs. Like stop looking at porn. Let's get the let's get Triple X Church on your computer. Or like working through or putting out fires. Right? That was like discipleship almost. Now I meet with these guys every week. Um, often we meet on another morning and we have our quiet times together. So we pray together. So it's like teaching to pray. We eat meals together regularly. We celebrate our birthdays together. We um, the the other two guys work out together. I, they do P90X and since I'm an old man that's injured, I can't really do that with them so I go to a gym where a whole bunch of other people from our church then go to the same gym but they do that together and we uh, it's, it's life we actually share we talk about finances and so before, I, before Natalie and I purchased our used car, I submitted that to them. I said, I don't want to be operating out of greed. Here's what my finances look like. I'm going to purchase a car. I'm going to submit to you my decision to purchase a car so you could say if I'm operating out of greed or making a wise decision in my life. And so we walk through that. And we talk about where we talk about all of that stuff. We actually share calendars. So they hold me accountable because I'm a bit of a workaholic, prove myself addict. And so I have to practice Sabbath. And so they see my calendar, Google Calendar. We all share them so they can see what I do all day, every day. I said, dude, last week your calendar was packed. Did you practice Sabbath? Disciple, what it means to make disciples has changed for me. So these, these guys... Right now, it's like they see, they know my finances, they know my schedule, they eat my meals, they come to my house, they pray with me in the morning. We do the same Bible reading plan, right? Chain of life. And so these are, those would be Christians that I'm like, it's, I think discipleship changes of intensity post like cross, right? But then pre-cross, I'm always going, okay, Jesus, bring me some people that I can share life with and disciple. Right? Like I'm, I'm look, so Tom would be one of them. So I'm going, okay. And then trying to figure out what, what that looks like as we make friends because we're still walking that out. But imagine if every single pastor or church leader lived a life of a missionary. And every single one of us I was actively and intentionally had people that we were discipling. Okay, these are the people that I'm discipling and sharing my life with. How things would change. And then imagine if every single person of the church, every single Christian... Because I'm sharing life in community with these Christians, discipleship, and I'm actively sharing my life with these people that are not yet Christians, discipling them and showing them what it looks like to live a life followed to Jesus. Like, I intentionally open my home and doing this to show them a life submitted to Jesus. That's like Great Commission. That's like every Christian puts me in the Great Commission. If, if every Christian lived like a missionary, if every Christian was a, a disciple who actually made disciples... If the church was not a gathering, but a disciple-making movement. Well, it would look different. How would our communities and churches change? And there's power in the gathering and the service. 50, 100, 500, 1,000 people. 50, 100, 500, or 1,000 people in a room hearing the gospel, that's a great, powerful thing. But 50, 100, 500, or 1,000 people going out, all actively making disciples, saying, these are the people that I've been equipped to go and make disciples and share my life with, that'll change a neighborhood. 
You've been listening to the Lead Forward podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. As always, you can find more leadership resources at leadforward.ca. I hope you'll join us next time. Thank you.